Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Do you remember the coronavirus? Global pandemic, about yay big, shut down the entire economy, highly infectious. The executive branch of the U.S. government has tried to make us forget. They pulled a move right out of the Matrix franchise. Remember that bald kid who visited the Oracle in the apartment? They did that, but with COVID instead of the spoon. There is no COVID. But there is. And part of me misses that simpler time, to be honest. I could fear death by government neglect rather than by active homicide at the hands of law enforcement. We were told coronavirus is a great leveler, a great uniter. It comes for us all, they said. I bet those same people said Obama would usher in that post-racial America that never quite arrived. They're consistently wrong. I remember the day and really the moment I knew COVID was going to be serious. Friday, March 13th, 2020. The Whole Foods in Burbank, California. We were a few days out from our safer at home order here in Los Angeles. And I had gone to the Whole Foods to stock up on provisions, of course. I was not prepared for the level of mayhem that ensued at a place I had always thought of as an overpriced meditation center. They ran out of kale. I repeat, Whole Foods ran out of kale, and I was like, oh, it's on. I had never seen so much anger spew from so few yoga pants. I was reaching for some bananas, and a tiny woman just took it right out from under me, looked me dead in the eyes like, I dare you. I didn't know if I could come home after that. I had shamed my whole family name. Would my fiance even want me after this? So COVID felt real to me starting Friday, March 13th. Thank you, Whole Foods. Thank you, Burbank. It hit me hard how hard COVID was hitting the black community here in the U.S. I literally wrote on my whiteboard. Yes, I have a whiteboard. I dare you to say something. I wrote, we are experiencing different pandemics. It felt so clear to me that this 
talk of unity and unification, and it's all the same, was just that. Talk. And I got invited to talk about this on my friend Paul Rykoff's podcast. You may know of Paul as the founder of Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America. He now hosts a podcast called Angry Americans, and it was right on time because I was angry and I was American, and I'm still angry and I'm still American. I started making a show on Zoom and Instagram I called Live on Lockdown. I wanted to bring my experience as a writer, a TV host, sometimes comedian, and all the time citizen to the pandemic moment by sharing information, stories, and the experiences of the audience. I continue to make that show. This podcast you're listening to right now is born out of that show. We're having a moment here to connect the pandemic to this moment we're having in this first episode. I first started making that connection between COVID and what's happening with recent policing on that Angry Americans episode with Paul Rykoff. I'm going to drop you into Paul's interview with me from episode 59 of his show. You'll hear his voice as he asks me a question. I've been excited to talk to you about your work for a long time, but the timing right now for me, I think is so perfect because what we haven't really talked about on this show, and I think more broadly in America, is the front line of the coronavirus um, that, that is underreported, that is underrecognized, and that's race. Yeah. And, and you know, I tried to pull statistics, and even in doing that, it's difficult to do. You know, the, the statistics I was able to find was from American public media, and they said that only about 61% of the dead uh, is, is race data available. And of that 61,000 61, of the almost 80,000, the number I saw was 16,000 dead uh, were black. So let's say a quarter, right? But the, the point is, disproportionately, people of color, black people are being impacted by the coronavirus, are being killed by the virus, are being hurt by the virus on the front lines of the virus. So I really, you, you are, I, I'm always reluctant to ask anyone to be an expert on a, something so massive, but you're, a lot of your work has been about race. You wrote a book called How to Be Black that was a bestseller. You give a, a fantastic TED Talk that's got over 2 million views. But can you break down from where you sit, Baratunde, how is the coronavirus impacting Black people in America right now? Yeah, thank you for the question. Thank you for the super respectful way in which you addressed it, actually. Um, and I don't mind talking about it. I, I've said this to others. It is it's very hard for me to complain about being asked about race when I wrote a book called How to Be Black. Right? That's, just, that's just wrong. You know, I got to expect it. And uh, coronavirus is devastating to black America for a number of reasons. I think there are sort of precedent reasons why any challenge hurts certain communities more, whether it's a, a public health challenge or a, a financial crisis, like any crisis almost inevitably hurts black people more because we're disproportionately poor in this country and because we have uh, the pre-existing condition of blackness, which is often leads to more negative outcomes, even for the same sort of starting line, even people of the same wealth and zip code and all the other conditions that would lead to like positive outcomes, black people tend to do worse. So of course, uh, an epidemic and then a pandemic has the high probability of hitting black people harder mm. uh, because the system is designed to hit black people harder. Um, and, and so internally we have issues in the black community based on a lot of history and experience of less access and less trust to medical care. And that's, a, that's like one piece of the puzzle 
is we have just lower doctors per thousand in our communities. We have weaker hospital systems. More of us rely on publicly funded hospitals and community health centers, which have far fewer resources. Uh, we have a history of mistrust with the medical community. And so they're in, inside the black community, there were early conspiracy theories and rumors about this doesn't even affect us. Mm. And when you lay that up against the history of medicine being weaponized against black people, experimentation being done on us on the one hand, or just the, the denial of our experience and our pain because we're deemed subhuman for such a long amount of time. It's really, it's not official policy anymore, but it is still official culture because that policy was set for such a long time that our nation has a muscle memory that like we're less than human. And so our complaints are taken less seriously when we do decide to seek out medical attention. We are assumed to have a higher threshold for pain because we're superhuman yet also subhuman. It's the paradox of blackness in this country that we are more than and less than human, but never just human. So that's, that, that whole history is a part of why uh, COVID-19 coronavirus has hit black people harder. Um, and then we're overexposed. You mentioned kind of front lines, and I think we have an explicit understanding of the frontline heroes, the first responders, the doctors and nurses and respiratory therapists and medical technician and ICU staff who kind of signed up for this, right? They, they enlisted, to borrow some language from some of your history, and they kind of knew the contract they were signing. Their lives might be put at risk. But a bus driver, a subway operator, a grocery store clerk, you know, a, a service industry worker, um, did not necessarily sign up for that. They signed up for a paycheck and probably not even the right to organize. <laughs> and, uh, and so we are over-indexed, uh, sort of over-represented in those types of jobs. The Lyft drivers of the world, the Uber drivers of the world, they're not all black, of course, but they're disproportionately black. Um, less serious medical treatment, some mistrust of medicine, overexposure due to occupation, uh, due to living conditions and culture as well. ProPublica, you know, if you're looking for information and a really good perspective, ProPublica has become my go-to source. They're a nonprofit news organization. I, I know this audience is highly independent. And so this is not like, I'm not sending you to MSNBC. Right. Uh, I'm also not sending you to Breitbart. Like ProPublica is as close to just the facts as you can get. And they don't even have any advertisers putting pressure on them. And so that to me is like, a huge credit. And they did a, they've done a number of devastating pieces about this. One is about Chicago, where they analyzed the first 100 deaths of this disease there. The first 70 of those 100 were black. Chicago is not 70% black. Right. But a lot of that played out because of the factors that I shared with you, partly informed by that piece. They've also done another piece, and this is what I think about like on the back end of the virus. So we're being asked to do a lot of hard things as people. We're being asked to forego income, to forego community and gatherings, and just a normal way of life. All the things we've been taught we're entitled to, not just as Americans, but as people, we're being asked by mostly responsible leaders to forego those things in exchange for something called safety. Mm. Right? It's like we're flattening the curve so we can save lives. And in the midst of this, black people are getting beat for that. The, the discrimination knows no bounds. We are, we are discriminated against on the front end, making us more vulnerable to the disease in the first place. We're discriminated against in the middle, 
when we think we have it, we're taken less seriously. When we have it, we have poorer resources to address it. And we're discriminated against on the edges and the outside of it just by trying to comply, wearing a mask, social distancing. If we wear a mask, we're doing something wrong because we're threatening and suspicious and people are calling the cops on us or kicking us out of Walmarts. If we're not wearing a mask, we're being yanked off of public transportation in Philadelphia, beat up on the streets of New York City and having a knee put into our neck. Meanwhile, in the other America, we have the stories of cops handing out masks to white America. Mm. Oh, you want a surgical mask? Here you go. And to layer on top of this, you have this Ahmad Arbery situation, which is not directly COVID, right? This incident in Georgia happened. This brother was out jogging in a white neighborhood. Some vigilante type, stand your ground white dudes with guns saw him jogging, suspected him of committing burglary on a construction site, confronted him, and shot him twice in the chest and killed him. Now, he's not jogging with a gun, so he's obviously unarmed, and they lay in wait for him to execute this murder. And so that is a painful reminder. As we're all being asked to make sacrifice, as we're all being asked to come together to save lives and flatten the curves, there's a part of this country which is reminding us not your life. Your life doesn't matter. And instead, I'm going to attend a rally and I'm going to be very intimidating. I'm going to wave some don't tread on me flags and kind of bastardize the military history to talk about freedom and to talk about pro-life and to scream all lives matter. Meanwhile, this disease is killing and removing certain types of lives more than other. And then that leads to the crazy thinking, but very logical conclusion. Oh, you don't care. Mm. It actually is very convenient to agitate aggressively for reopening an economy, which is going to put more lives at stake because the numbers are in and it's not your life, it's mine. That was recorded May 13th, 2020. Two weeks before most of us would know the name George Floyd. But the message was already clear to black people based on COVID. It had been clear for hundreds of years. Our lives didn't matter. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. 
Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Even with the racial disparities of COVID, though, part of me had thought, well, there are some advantages to this lockdown situation. No school shootings, no presidential rallies. I even thought, well, at least white folks can't call the cops on black folks for just like being in a park because nobody's in the park. And then Amy Cooper happened. Yeah, that Amy Cooper. Here's what I had to say about that situation at the time. Check it out. What stands out to me in this video is, well, I'm reminded. I'm reminded of people who are trained, uh, physically trained to do harm to other people, mostly in self-defense, in combat. I'm talking martial arts, uh, jujitsus, and you know, MMA-type fighting, but real practical self-defense stuff, you know, the, the Aikidos and the Taekwondos and the jujitsus. And sometimes you hear these stories of people who end up in a bar fight and the other person ends up with like 10 broken bones because they went up against a human weapon. Like their body was like almost a registered weapon and they react so quickly and so swiftly. They don't even know they're not conscious of what they're doing. That's how well-trained they are. That's how well-trained Amy Cooper is in white supremacy and the powers of patriarchy. She, in response to being told by Christian Cooper, the man videotaping, that her dogs needed to be on a leash, which is true, resisting that call to obey the rules, she instead invokes a higher authority, the powers of Grayskull, in this case, the powers of white supremacy and patriarchy, to rush to her defense and to possibly his demise, so that he would end up laid out on the asphalt with some cop's knee in his neck, which also happened on the same day in Minneapolis in these United States. She so quickly announced her intentions to call on this power. She didn't think about it. She didn't have to think. It was a reflex. It was reflexive racism. This was some wax on, wax off white supremacy where she had practiced it so much. She had learned it. So early that she didn't need somebody to tell her what to do. She knew 
And then on the call, she improvises. He's also threatening my dog while she's choking this poor little buddy out. And I can't hear you. And then she adds the emotion and the hysteria. Please send a cop immediately. We know where this story goes. We literally have the tale of the Central Park Five. Who the powers that be came in and swept up because a white woman really was assaulted, but not by them. In this case, she is abusing her power to such an extraordinary degree and so confidently because she knows she can get away with it, which means she probably has done it before. This isn't the first time. You don't pull off moves that smoothly and that quickly your first time out. She is the Mr. Miyagi of this kind of mayhem. She apologized. She did apologize, and I want to acknowledge that and share her apology with you to NBC New York. She sincerely and humbly apologized to everyone, especially to that man, his family, Christian Cooper. It was unacceptable, and I humbly and fully apologize to everyone who's seen that video, everyone that's been offended, everyone who thinks of me in a lower light, and I understand why they do. When I think about the police, I'm such a blessed person. It's true. I've come to realize today that I think of the police as a protection agency. And unfortunately, this has caused me to realize that there are so many people in this country that don't have that luxury. Look, Amy, that's a start. That's a start. But we see, we see you. And we see what you pulled off. And there have been consequences for Amy, no doubt. Her employer put her on a leave of absence because they're not down with such flagrant racism. Hopefully, they're also not down with like, fake 911 calls, regardless of whether it's a racial intent or not. She lost her dog. Like the people who she adopted the dog from two years ago were like, nah, we gonna take homie back. And the way she was choked up on him, that might be the best situation in the near term. But she's not going all the way with the apology. And she is right. She has seen the cops as a protection agency, but she did not need protecting. That's the lie in the apology. She was not being threatened with any form of violence. She was being accused rightfully of breaking a rule and asked repeatedly to abide by that rule. She interprets that as a threat. She's not happy that a black person telling her what the rules are and telling her how she needs to live her life. She's so steeped in the privilege, in the supremacy, that any check on that, anyone calling her out for needing to abide by the rules, well, there's a, there's a different law that they're going to be subject to. And she didn't acknowledge that part, the, the ease with which she was willing to discard another human being's life. Because at this point, everybody knows the story. I, I gave a TED Talk about it a year ago. I'm not saying she saw that talk, though. It might help on the margin. But she didn't go all the way in the apology. And what I want for the Amy's of the world is I want her to be able to have a conversation not with a civil rights leader, not with a black person who's got plenty of other stuff to do in their lives. Like I got to roast a chicken today, but for probably the white person in her life that she respects and adores, maybe a parent, maybe a best friend, maybe a sibling is a friend of Amy. And by Amy, I mean, anyone like her who needs to sit down, look at this tape and ask her some questions. When did you first realize you had this power? Why was it your first response to threaten to call the cops, tell them an African-American was threatening your life. Those are all trigger words for police violence. And you knew them without having to think. 
Where did you first see that behavior exhibited? When did you first learn that it was okay to do that? When was the last time you abused the power you have in such a way? We start to crack open those questions. We start to get white people to deal with whiteness and the power it confers upon them. Then maybe there's a shot that we can pull off this multi-ethnic, multi-racial democracy in the United States. But until then, this one-by-one incident, blowback, somebody loses a job, incident, that that doesn't scale, as they say in Silicon Valley. White people talking to white people, y'all can talk to each other, and we need you to do that. You need you to do that. Now, briefly, to my bird-watching brother, respect to you. We should probably come up with an NAACP image award, like a Medal of Honor for Courage Under Fire and Race Relations. You stood your ground in a non-threatening, moral way. You physically stood there. You morally stood there. You knew you were right, and you gave us all an opportunity, including the Amy's of the world and the friends of Amy's of the world, to do better, to try to do better, to at least recognize what doing worse looks like and what abuse of power looks like. I want the Amy's of the world to not necessarily just give up the power, but use it for good. Use it on the border for some kid who's been separated from their parents. She could have done that, but she didn't. She wielded that weapon of white supremacy against somebody calling her out because she was actually doing wrong. In my words, in the video I recorded the day after Memorial Day, you can hear a reference to George Floyd, but I didn't know his name or the name Derek Chauvin, the police officer who killed him. I just knew there was a video of a Minneapolis cop with his knee pressed into the neck of a black man, and I knew I didn't have it in me to watch. I had recently seen video of a New York City police officer doing a similar thing to a young black man on the sidewalk for no good reason. The police were assaulting what looked like kids because they didn't have masks on. So I waited to see what became known as the George Floyd video. But I already knew. I'd seen these videos before. I'd heard these stories before. Amy Cooper's call didn't result in police killing Christian Cooper, thankfully. But it could have, and she knew it. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. I was annoyed because I had given an entire TED Talk on this dangerous pattern of white people weaponizing their discomfort by sicking police on any black person they felt didn't belong. I had gathered all the headlines I could find of folks calling the cops on black people. I saw the pattern in those moments and designed a simple game to explore the abuse of power in those incidents and try to rewrite them into something more tolerable, even more beautiful. I won't play the whole TED Talk for you right now, but there are a few key minutes that address the moment we're in that I think you should hear. And I need to pause the game to remind us of the structure. A subject takes an action against a target engaged in some activity. White woman calls police on black real estate investor inspecting his own property. California Safeway calls cops on black woman donating food to the homeless. Golf club twice calls cops on black women for playing too slow. In all these cases, the subject is usually white. The target is usually black, and the activities are anything from sitting in a Starbucks to using the wrong type of barbecue to napping to walking agitated on the way to work, which I just call walking to work. <laughs> and my personal favorite, not stopping his dog from humping her dog, which is clearly a case for dog police, not people police. All of these activities add up to living. Our existence is being interpreted as crime. Now, this is the obligatory moment in the presentation where I have to say not everything is about race. Crime is a thing, should be reported. But ask yourself, do we need armed men to show up and resolve this situation? Because when they show up for me, it's different. We know that police officers use force more with black people than with white people. 
And we are learning the role of 911 calls in this. Thanks to preliminary research from the Center for Policing Equity, we're learning that in some cities, most of the interaction between cops and citizens is due to 911 calls, not officer-initiated stops. And most of the violence, the use of force by police on citizens, is in response to those calls. Further, when those officers responding to calls use force, that increases in areas where the percentage of the white population has also increased, a.k.a. gentrification, a.k.a. unicycles and oat milk, a.k.a. when barbecue Becky feels threatened, she becomes a threat to me in my own neighborhood, which forces me and people like me to police ourselves. We quiet ourselves. We walk on eggshells. We maybe pull over to the side of the road under the brightest light we can find so that our murder might be caught cleanly on camera. And we do this because we live in a system in which white people can too easily call on deadly force to ensure their comfort. The California Safeway didn't just call cops on black women donating food to homeless. They ordered armed, unaccountable men upon her. They essentially called in a drone strike. This is weaponized discomfort, and it is not new. From 1877 to 1950, there were at least 4,400 documented racial terror lynchings of black people in the United States. They had headlines as well. Reverend T.A. Allen was lynched in Hernando, Mississippi, for organizing local sharecroppers. Oliver Moore was lynched in Edgecombe County, North Carolina, for frightening a white girl. Nathan Byrd was lynched near Luling, Texas, for refusing to turn his son over to a mob. We need to change the action, whether that action is lynches or calls police. That full TED Talk is at my website, baratunde.com. One of the things I tried to do in that talk was connect this act of calling police to the act of racial terror lynchings. For Black people in America, police have rarely been the protection agency Amy Cooper experienced. They've been used to control and to terrorize, to make examples of. That's what I saw on Officer Derek Chauvin's face as he calmly, slowly, and confidently killed George Floyd. In broad daylight, surrounded by his colleagues, knowing he was being recorded. That's what we all saw. Now, the pandemic had primed us. We were isolated from each other physically. We were worried. We were suffering from the neglect of our own government who couldn't get N95s to doctors and nurses, much less provide for the people forced to stay home. We were unable to indulge in our normal distractions like brunch or sports or even work in most cases. And we were all tuned in to the same channel. And what we saw on that channel horrified us. I got an email through my website recently. Yeah, yeah, I don't mean to brag. I have a website and email. Pretty fancy guy over here. The sender of this message, her name is Dawn Larson. She lives in Richmond, Virginia. And she describes herself in this email as a middle-aged white woman. She wrote the following. I am so tired of seeing people killed, harassed, and oppressed by law enforcement. 
I'm so tired of folks having an opinion slash strong views who have never spoken with a black person. I realize this subject is super fraught with all kinds of history and emotion. It's hard to know what to do sometimes. Watching George Floyd get killed broke something fundamental in me. Me too, Dawn. Me too. It took a pandemic to push us all, an entire nation, to the edge. And when Derek Chauvin killed George Floyd, he pushed us all over it. We Are Having a Moment is a production of iHeartRadio Podcast. Executive produced by Miles Gray, Nick Stumpf, and Baratunde Thurston. Produced by Joelle Smith and Elizabeth Stewart. Edited by Justin Smith. You can find my email newsletter and a lot more at baratunde.com. If you do social things, I'm on Instagram, at baratunde. And if you like texts, well, send me one. That's right. You can text me, 202-894-8844. Just put the text WHAM in the message. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.